0: welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. Today, I want to talk about PDA and toileting because it's a topic that doesn't get talked about a lot and because it's super important to understand the mechanisms, the nervous system mechanisms that impact toileting, regardless of age. So today I have five things I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about how I view basic needs in PDA so that you can get an understanding of that frame through which to view your child's basic needs. Two, how the PDA nervous system impacts toileting, the mechanisms through which it impacts toileting. Hi, everybody. So nice to see you. Um, Three, why we have to see toileting and toileting issues as an indicator of underlying nervous system stress rather than the problem itself. And then I'm going to finish up with four and five, which are a little bit more practical and are what to do if you're currently potty training and things are going off the rails, or if you have potty trained and it feels like there's a regression or your child is older and you're seeing patterns that don't make sense to you, especially with their intellect and other areas of development. So I hope this is a helpful live for you guys. Okay, so first of all, I wanna, pull back a little bit before we specifically talk about toileting, because toileting is one of multiple basic needs. And PDA is a nervous system disability. And the reason that I conceptualize it as that and not simply an anxiety-driven need for control is that in accumulation, repeated nervous system stress and activation leads to the point where it consistently disables a child, teen, or adult from accessing one or more basic needs. Okay. And what I mean by that is independent toileting, eating sufficient nutrients and food to survive and grow, to sleep enough to sustain health, um, and to brush teeth and bathe so that. We don't get disease, right? So these are basic needs that all of us need to accomplish. However, because of repeated nervous system activation, our children can become disabled from accessing that. Okay. So I want to talk about that mechanism. Okay. So remember that a PDA child's brain, whenever they're perceiving a loss of autonomy or equality to someone else around them, or even a thing around them, like a societal expectation that they say, please and thank you, or write their letters in a certain way. Every time that happens, the amygdala, the part of their brain that's a survival brain, will tell their nervous system, hey, we're in trouble, we're going to die, right? And what that does is it sets off metabolic processes that impact our digestion, that impact adrenaline levels. All of this impacts our bodies, not just behavior, right? And so when this builds in accumulation, that's when we're getting a child or a person at their threshold of tolerance and consistently passing it, which puts them at risk for burnout or trauma, complex trauma, okay? So this is often the point, basic needs is often the point at which parents realize, hey, this isn't behavioral. And they start trusting their own intuition more because they're seeing, oh my gosh, my child can't walk. I have to carry them places. Or, oh my gosh, we were potty trained at the age of three, but my child is now seven and needs to poop in a diaper or in the bathtub. What's happening? This is not motivated behavior right so this is if we can look at it as like both the reason it's a disability but also like an opportunity when parents ground down into their own knowing and start to trust like oh this is my kid's not a bad kid okay so this is often when parents come to pda where it's beyond behavior other examples of this and i'll give you an example from my own life My son, I very much viewed him through the behavioral lens because he was so explosive. He was so aggressive. He was like a feral animal, right? And part of me knew that he wasn't a bad kid and that something deeper was going on because I could see he was afraid, right? But but the conditioning that I was getting from everything around me, whether it was books or medical professionals or therapists, was telling me, no, it's behavioral, right? But then he couldn't walk. And I would have to carry him places. And that actually lasted about two years in burnout. And he stopped eating to the point where we were concerned about his nutrients and his growth. And we, you know, he stopped speaking. This is something that can also happen, selective uh, mutism. What this is indicating is that crux or that point at which parents are like, oh, hey, this isn't just behavioral, right? And this is very common. Second, I wanna talk about specifically how these mechanisms impact toileting. And there's two ways that I see it impacting toileting, the nervous system activation. Okay, so remember when the the perception of threat is occurring all the time, even as a parent, if as a parent or a teacher or a therapist, we don't see the objective threat, the child is physiologically experiencing what the body would do if there was a lion in front of it or if they were in a car crash. And so this nervous system fight-flight-freeze reaction is attached to other things in our body. Like I said already, if it's more of a fight-flight reaction, it's amping up our metabolism, the child's metabolism. There's adrenaline and cortisol and the natural bodily reaction to like, oh, there's a lion is I need to get rid of fluids. I need to get rid of poop, be lighter, run from the lion. So It makes sense with an amped up metabolism, high adrenaline, cortisol that you're going to see effects on toileting, right? So it can be mistaken for a standalone irritable bowel syndrome. It can be mistaken for, you know, my child's having accidents. But if you look at it more like an indicator of like, oh, my child's actually having more accidents at school when it's moments of higher stress because it's connected to that metabolism amping up. Right. And so it's not about skill. It's about the physiology of the nervous system. Okay. So, and this is true in my son's case as well, where like, I've learned to look at it as an indicator of like, of course he's having diarrhea because, you know, he's at the public school and they're stressing him the F out. And like, his body is responding, right? And I, for a long time, was like, oh, is he sick? Does he have a virus? Does he have bacteria? And it was actually like, no, this is connected to the nervous system, right? And then secondarily, we have the freeze response, which is another response that PDA individuals have or people with sensitive nervous systems have, which does the opposite, slows down the metabolism, which can lead to constipation, withholding UTIs, and even end Okay. So that's one mechanism, the physiology, the way it's impacting toileting. And the second is what we know about the PDA neurobiology, which is when they have accumulate accumulative stress and nervous system activation in order to get back to a place of safety, they do... Equalizing behavior or controlling their environment. Okay. And so this is often applied to a toileting environment. And what I've seen from working with hundreds of families is that this often control coalesces around a particular basic need. And this is why some PDA kids have like what appears to be a regression with toileting where they like have to poop in the bathtub or poop in a diaper versus another kid who has no trouble with toilet training but is having severe eating issues okay so if your child has a sticky basic need of toileting but is not necessarily having trouble with sleeping and eating this is a typical pattern for pda children to coalesce control around one particular thing in order to get back to a place of safety and this is what i call a sticky basic need okay so remember the physiology and the control, control to get back to a place of safety. Okay. And so this is often where we see patterns like the following a child, six, seven, eight, needs to only poop in a diaper or a child only poops in the bathtub or a child or even a teen only poops outside okay that's control coalescing because of an underlying root cause of nervous system activation that has accumulated to the point where they're they can't tolerate it okay so what we really need to start doing both in the medical community, but first as parents, because we have to go first (laughs) because we're the ones in the trenches with the toileting stuff is to start seeing toileting as an indicator of what's actually going on beneath the surface. Right. And often families come to me and they're like, I have a toileting problem, but really we have to look at the root cause of like, okay, in order to support toileting, we have to really focus on a lot of other things that have nothing to do with toileting because they're causally linked in accumulation but i want to invite you in to starting to seeing toileting as an indicator rather than the problem itself okay because it's related to a deeper nervous system issue which which is overall nervous system accumulation okay so the last two things i want to touch on are a little bit more practical but I can't get into like a whole 10 hour training, of like how we're going to fix your child's toilet training because can't really do that on the live. So I apologize that we're not going deep and specific with each of you. I wish I could, but I'm going to give you some like high level things to think about if this is something that's a challenge in your home. Okay. So first, if you have already potty trained and things are going off the rails or have felt like a, a like age inappropriate regression, which is very common, you're not alone, you're not doing anything wrong. I've seen dozens of children who had this pattern, seven, eight, even clients who who had children who were adults who had you know issues of control around toileting to get their body back to a place of perceived safety, meaning needing to poop in the bathtub or in a diaper, even if they were college educated, right? These are not linked cognitive abilities and skills to a nervous system disability. Often also we think, oh, lagging skills, but it's not, it's going to feel deeply, deeply counterintuitive. But what we have to do as parents is start focusing elsewhere. Okay, so start focusing (laughs) instead of your anxiety and your focus on the toileting, we start focusing on all the other ways that we can reduce stress, accommodate and provide autonomy and equality to the child. Right. You know, this first step is to ease off and focus on other things. Accommodate the nervous system, which is a whole class or more in and of itself, reduce shame around it, right? And that's why I like talking about this as like physiological and science based of like, it's just what your body's doing. It's not your fault, right? And I use this way of talking about it with my son as well. Actually, I'll give you guys an anecdote. So on Sunday, he went skiing with his like best friend from school who's neurotypical. He wants to be like him. This kid's really into sports, very athletic. And my son just learned how to ski without being between his father's legs. My son is eight. And, you know, we've gone through years of like panic attacks of him between one of our legs and like enjoying skiing, but not being able to like leave our body. He had decided he wanted to go on the the blue the blue square and did that with his dad just just last week and felt really proud and then invited his friend and so he got into his head he's like I'm gonna do a black diamond with my friend okay so he went on the black diamond had a huge panic attack at the top his dad managed it handled it de-escalated it luckily his friend knows he's PDA skied down came back up waited for him it was all good they eventually did it but then my son wanted to come home again wanting to like do neurotypical things and watch the super bowl at his grandma's house and stay up late so he could talk about it at school the next day as soon as he got home he started vomiting and vomited like throughout the evening and part of me was like, oh, my gosh, he has a bug. He has the same flu that I did. But then I was like, no, like, this is his nervous system. It's the excitement that he's perceiving. And he's on a new medication, which makes his stomach sensitive. And he recovered halfway through the next day. Right. And it's like, we have to remember that this is physiological. Right. And of course sometimes our kids get viruses, and of course sometimes there's a medical issue. And but like often we have to start thinking about like how is the nervous system actually impacting all these things that we observe about our about our children's health. Of course, speak with your provider if you have medical concerns, but I have worked with families who have like been subject to medical interventions or their children have, where it's actually not a medical issue. Right. And we need to focus on the deeper root cause. Okay. So I know that's not going to be satisfying of like, Well, how do I fix it? Well, fixing it is like taking a comprehensive accommodation approach and radically changing your parenting style. (laughs) If you haven't done that already, Um, which is what we do in the paradigm shift program together, or you can DIY it on my Instagram, but it really takes a comprehensive approach. And then looking at the toileting as an outcome or an indicator of that underlying nervous system support. If you have not done it and are making a decision or are going through it, I would say err on the side of taking your time and letting your child lead your decision rather than I know you have some constraints about like they can't go to preschool until they're potty trained. There are some neurodiversity affirming and more inclusive preschools out there. I know they cost more, but I just want to name that if you can err on the side of taking your time and trying to like do your own mindset work of like it's okay if they're a year later than everybody else it really is yes there are logistical constraints but this is a long game you can plant seeds around the topic of toileting with like strewing which means leaving like this visual or auditory or sensory cues about toileting without being like, hey, do you wanna toilet train? Um, using declarative language around it, starting with sentences during connection moments unrelated to the actual toilet training that are like, you know, I really liked using a potty when I was four and we put it in the backyard, period and see how they respond as data to inform, like, are they ready to try this? If they're like, no, stop talking. It's like, oh, data point. Maybe we should wait a couple weeks or months, right? Just planting that seed for you, managing your own energy around it. Because remember, the more anxious we get around an expectation or an outcome or wanting something to happen, the more they perceive the threat and paradoxically resist. Right. And that can be true even for too much excitement, depending on the personality of the PDA. And then incorporating play. And I'm going to tell you guys about our toilet training experience. It isn't necessarily typical. This is not my son's stickiest basic need. We did not have like trauma around it. So if your child has trauma around it or like, you know, refuses to put on pants or only wears a towel or, you know, has much more resistance like runs out of the bathroom when you're even near it like that's going to take even more undoing and that's why we need to be like careful and allow the child to lead us through this so my son the key to my son's success with toilet training was not necessarily a method because i didn't know he was PDA at the time but it was because we provided an intuited undivided attention, focus on him and play. So like my husband took a day off of work. I took a day off work and we just spent four days completely focused on regulating his nervous system. I didn't have those words at the time. It was just like, you know, all the novelty, all the dopamine, all the mom and dad attention. We didn't have another child at the time. And, you know, we set up forts and like he just would... Every time he would have to go, I would pick him up and run him and like we'd laugh and I put him over the toilet and he did not toilet train for nighttime until he was like six and a half. And that's when he decided he was ready. And it's totally fine. That's not illustrative of like a technique. It's to tell you, like, we have to think of these pieces of like novelty and dopamine and play and like 100% co-regulation and focusing on supporting their nervous system through it and providing autonomy to the extent we can. So how that looks for your family will depend on your child's personality or constraints, etc. Thanks, everyone, for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website, www.atpeaceparents.com.